Hello, I'm Trevor. And I'm Mark. And this is Talk Apocalypse, a podcast discussing the current fortnight of Apocalypse Sports Trivia. I am in Doomsday North Premiership, and Mark is in End Times North Premiership. This episode will be going over the questions from Fortnite 26, Day 8. We're already on to Day 8, the time is flying, and the opportunity to get out of these dangerous relegation zones is dwindling. So we got to make the most of it while we can. We'll see what happens today. All true. I completely agree. Question number one, bit of a long question. Basically, there was a tennis match in the 1989 French Open with a player facing Yvonne Lendl, who lost the opening two sets. This player was broken to start the third and nearly retired several times due to leg cramps. They felt an unbelievable conviction in their heart to continue, and so they resorted to tactics like moonball rallies and underhanded serves to rally, which infuriated Lendl in the process. And then on match point, this player stood at the service line on Lendl's second serve, which psyched him out into a double fault. This player went on to win the next three matches, capturing his first and only Grand Slam singles title. Name him. I, I didn't know this cold, but the name, the first name that came to mind right away was Michael Chang. I'm not sure where I've heard it, if I've seen videos of the match, but Michael Chang just came immediately to mind for no discernible, like, oh, yes, this is the, clearly the reason why. And I said, well, and I thought, well, it's the right time frame for him. I know he was around, but I know he, he, didn't, he didn't win a lot of Grand, Slam, Grand Slams. And like I said for, I think it was yesterday or two days ago, whenever the Martina Hingis question was. Whenever there's a tennis question, I want to try. Oh, I like, I, I feel confident in like, getting near the ballpark. So Michael Chang was the first name that came to mind. Thought of a couple other names, but I would have no reason to go beyond that. So I trusted my instinct and couldn't tell you why exactly, but I did say Michael Chang as my answer. For my part, the first name that came to my mind for this with an 80s French Open and unbelievable conviction in my heart type of attitude was Yannick Noah. I was pretty mm. sure he had won the French Open sometime in the 80s, and it sounded like kind of a Yannick Noah thing to say to have an unbelievable conviction in my heart, mm -hmm. especially as a Frenchman playing in the French Open. So that was the first name that came to mind. And then I was sitting there last night reading the question again and saying, I'm almost positive Michael Chang won the 1989 French Open. But then I was like, I thought he won another Grand Slam. So am I thinking of the wrong year? I felt like Michael Chang at least was very successful, maybe like four or five years later at the U.S. Open. And I do have a kind of trivia axiom that I try to follow where if something comes to my mind first, I try not to deviate because I've found in the past that deviating from my mm -hmm. somewhat gut instinct can cost me more often than not. Um, Deshaun Johnson, anyone? Yeah, that one too. That was that that one that was painful. You didn't need to bring that up again so soon, Trevor. The other name that possibly came to mind was Jim Courier. It sounds like a, a Jim Courier type thing to do to to be kind of a a person who resorted to tactics. But I was also pretty sure that he had won more than one Grand Slam. So at the end of the day, after considering you know potentially Michael Chang, <laughs> who was like uh, 1989 French Open, Michael Chang was like going off neon lights in my head i just went ahead and stuck with my initial gut feeling of yannick noah as being my answer mm. uh, which was incorrect because the correct answer was the guy who won the 99 french open going off a neon in my head michael chang mm. I, I did look it up yannick noah has only won one grand slam it was the french open and it was in 1983 it was not earlier like, yeah not 1989 so yeah. he did play in the 1989 french open <laughs> 
He yeah, he was he was still around round. at that time. Yep, lost in the first round. I think actually that was his last French Open. Maybe 1990. He might have played in the 1991. I did give this a four to my opponent, who I think Country Club was his mm-hmm. worst category. Mm-hmm. He, he, of course, got it right. I, I got it wrong. So, and I, I do wonder, I was thinking, this is like the third tennis question this fortnight. I'm like, where's the golf, man? Where's yeah, the golf? Yeah, I've been, I've been thinking the same thing. I mean, I, I'm happy with the tennis questions. Keep them coming to me, but I I too have been surprised. My country club, sure, yeah, but all tennis. Yeah, well, I was like, I, I'm fine with tennis. Like, obviously, I had I had the right answer on the, the tip of my tongue. Lost my coin flip essentially again, so I'm okay with tennis. I'm I'm better at golf, but yeah, I just thought it was interesting. Like, the only golf question we've had is that was pinnacle. I think I don't think there was a golf question before that, and this is I think the third tennis question. Yeah, I think so. I I had the ex- very similar sort of thought. Like, man, I, I'm kind of surprised to get. It feels like a tennis heavy fortnight so far. On to question number two, the Victorias, the Wanderers, the Silver Sevens, the Thistles, the Bulldogs, the Millionaires, and the Shamrocks are nicknames of teams that have all won what trophy? I love this question. This is the type of trivia question that I really enjoy, where it's like you get these weird names and. What trophy could they have possibly won? Old-time hockey, I know very well. I have actually done some research for some of the trivia questions I've written for other podcasts. And I know that the Montreal Wanderers, I believe, won the first of this trophy. The Toronto Shamrocks were another team that was that I'm aware of that plays the same sport and also won the same trophy. The Silver Sevens, I think, is Ottawa. I'm not positive. So anyways, these are all teams that have won the Stanley Cup pre kind of NHL, official NHL. And the Victorias and the Thistles and the Bulldogs and the Millionaires, I feel like those names are somewhat familiar, but I know the Wanderers, I'm almost positive, I didn't look it up, but I'm almost positive the Wanderers are Montreal. I know the Toronto Shamrocks are like the forerunners to the Maple Leafs. So I just said Stanley Cup and yeah, moved on. I didn't have as much thunder behind it as you. In fact, this one took me a little bit just thinking through, okay, what could this be? And just had to part had to sort of parse through the question. Teams like the Victorias told me I this just gave me the sense this is not American. This is English perhaps or somewhere in the UK, Australia, Canada, some sort of co- some sort of colony of the British Empire. Silver Silver Sevens initially makes me think rugby, rugby sevens, but ask me to name a, a rugby trophy and I unfortunately can't and don't know much on the rugby side of things. And so I was kind of stumped for a, for a little bit of time thinking, okay, what sort of what sort of sports are played are prominent in these crown colonies? So like so I start thinking Canada. Okay. Canada I is synonymous with hockey. What kind of hockey is this? This this isn't this these aren't all like minor league hockey teams. And then as I'm going down that Canada train, think, oh, the Shamrocks. That sounds very familiar as the Toronto Shamrocks. And then I thought, okay, then then the Victorias stuck out to me as well. That sound, that rings a bell. Silver Sevens and the Thistles didn't. But Shamrocks, definitely, it's the Toronto Shamrocks. The Victorias rang a bell. So that, this, is, this is old. This could, this could be old hockey or early, early Stanley Cup. And thought that that I just said that makes sense that this is all like that that's a that's a trophy that we all know, but the way to get there is through these teams that you may not know. Uh, so I agree with you. I enjoy this question because it's 
the answer is a yeah, like I said, it's a, it's a it's a trophy we all know, but you may not know these teams. So I did end up also going with Stanley Cup and was happy to see that was the correct answer. Yeah, it's interesting actually. I'm I'm going to correct both of us because we're both wrong about the Toronto Shamrocks now that I'm looking up the, Montreal. the these actual teams. Yes, they were the Montreal Shamrocks. Montreal. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Right. Uh, the it was the Toronto St. Patrick's that uh, was the team that was the, okay. the the forerunner for the um the Maple Leafs. And yeah, these are all teams that essentially were the professional hockey champions of Canada and it's it's technically pre-Stanley Cup era. Um these are for example, the Quebec Bulldogs won in 1912. The Montreal Wanderers won in like yeah, the I was, early 1900s. Okay, okay. It was the Ottawa Silver Sevens. Of course, the Thistles are from Kenora, wherever that is, somewhere in Manitoba or something. I'm not sure. Beats the me. Winni Winnipeg Victorias. And these are, yeah, all teams that won in the pre, in the, what do they, they call it the Challenge Cup era of the NHL or okay. professional hockey. Yeah. The Montreal. Yeah. Th th that makes sense considering. Yeah, the, the, there's the original six. And so, like, all those teams are not teams that are currently around. Okay. Original, so, original six started in 1927. Yeah. Okay. Uh, actually, probably even after that, because the Senators actually won the first official NHL championship, even though they're not an original six, you know, mm. thought of as an original six team. But yeah, these are all, all some great names here of the, the, actually, the Montreal Victorias and the Winnipeg Victorias, both were the, were champions of the NA or professional hockey back in the early 1900s, late 1800s. Moving on to question number three. Thanks in part to the heroics of players like Roger Miller, the indomitable Lions from what country reached three Africa Cups of Nations finals between 84 and 88, winning two of them and only losing the 86 final to host Egypt after six penalty kicks. I didn't, didn't know it cold, so just started thinking of what kind of country could this be? Indomitable Lions. I mean, I thought of if, first thing that comes to mind is like Sierra Leone. I'm like that. Like, I guess the Leone part, but that does not feel like a soccer powerhouse at any point in time. So I didn't have any way into this question, unfortunately. I wanted to put down an African nation because I'm like, I, I like I can I can name an African nation that could be right. I didn't want to just go for a joke answer here. I didn't. Yeah, I unfortunately I did, did not know who Roger Miller was. So just thought of a. African country that I could think of that like that has that has that has had some soccer success and went with Senegal as my answer. Yeah, for my part, the first World Cup that I followed was the 1990 World Cup. I was in high school. I remember going to a soccer camp at New Hampshire College at the time, and they were the defending Division II national champions that year. So they had a very good program, and it was a very good camp. We watched part of the World Cup. It was not regularly on TV at least my cable system prior to that. And that was the first World Cup, I think, after it had been announced that the US USA was hosting in 94. So Roger Mila is a player who is burned into my memory. He mm. played for Cameroon. He was 39 or 38 years old at the 1990 World Cup, and he scored several goals. And it was a huge deal that this old guy was running around and scoring goals like crazy. I happen to love the fact that, or the team names of the, African teams like Indomitable Lions. I completely remember Cameroon from that 90 World Cup, which I think they were like the first African team to make it to the not either the knockout stages or the quarterfinals. I'm not sure which one. But yeah, Roger Mila equals Cameroon. Again, this one was like an insta get for me right in 
right mm. in the old wheelhouse of things that I was watching and, and knew about. So yeah, I put down Cameroon and moved on to the next one. Nice. Yeah. I like, I, I, I looked into him afterwards and saw that he was the, uh, I think the oldest goal scorer in world world cup history. I Definitely think. possible. I think in, I thought on Wikipedia, he joked that it's gonna be really hard for someone to break his record. Cause by the age of 38, how old are Messi and Ronaldo now? Aren't they? They're like mid late thirties. I mean, that, like Messi's that is, at least that, at thirty three or thirty four. I'm not sure. That is it. That is a good question. If only I had the internet right in front of me. Yeah. Let's see. Let's see how old Lionel Messi is. He's thirty six. Okay. Thirty six. So, oh, so this that that well, that Wikipedia might have to be updated in a couple of years. Yeah. Okay. Question number four. What game's regulation dimensions are 22 feet long by 20 inches wide? And parenthetical of adding in the cradle area, it becomes roughly 23 feet by 31 inches wide. This one took me a little while to think about. I misread it at first as being 22 feet by 20 feet wide. And I was like, oh, I don't know. It could be just about anything. And I came back to it and I'm like, oh, 22 feet by 20 inches wide. I was like, okay, this sounds like the shuffleboard or what we call shuffleboard games that we play when we go to Jillian's or Dave and Buster's or your local bar who would hopefully have a shuffleboard court because it's a super fun game. I spent a few minutes thinking like, what's this cradle area they're talking about? Cause I'm like, there's the end part where the pucks, you know, fall into if you throw them too far. And I'm like, Oh yeah, that's right. The sides also have, you know, like a equally wide, area where the pucks can fall off the side. So then I spent probably 10 minutes trying to figure out, well, is this shuffleboard? Is it bar shuffleboard? Is it mm. tabletop shuffleboard? Is there some other name for it that, because this also happened where there's a game that me and my friends called, you know, something and which is not the official name of that game. And mm-hmm. I've gotten, yep. gotten that wrong before in trivia. So other than the tennis one, this is the one I spent the most time on trying to just be like, okay, what is this? I ended up at the end of the day going with bar shuffleboard. Interesting. Yeah, like like you, I think this was probably the most I spent on a question because I thought, yeah, the cradle area. Okay, that that makes it wider. I thought that, yeah, very interesting. It makes it wider and longer. And I'm not great at imagining like the spatial dimensions in my mind. So I like this this morning i went to like outside of my office and just like measured out 22 feet long and then by 20 inches wide to give myself a scope of what this looks like and i was like okay it has to be involved something like you're throwing something or you're bowling something or something along those lines i didn't Nothing came in, sprung immediately to mind. Then as I was just thinking about like that motion of, okay, I'm throwing or I'm rolling something along a table. I flash back to my my growing up days in camps, being in the camp rec room. I don't know if this is a thing all over the country, but we had a fun game called carpet ball. Carpet ball is very, it's a long slender table in which you put, you set up pool balls on each side it's one over one v one and you throw a ball at your opponent's balls to try to knock their balls into this back area and so i said okay well that sort of could fit the size it seemed this seems a bit too big the 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 question seems a bit too big for carpet i I'm carpet i remember carpet ball being smaller than this and are there actually regulation dimensions to a game like that it seemed a little strange to me but i'm like i thought maybe that's just the maybe there's 
some more official carpet ball that I don't know of. So with the size being ish right, and there's a cradle area in the back, I don't think this is going to be right. I mean, carpet ball is feels ex- like too niche for this, but without anything else to go on, I just said carpet ball. And the correct answer as listed on here is table shuffleboard. Do you have any information as to whether that was counted correct for you or not, Mark? It was counted as correct. Good. I ended up I'm looking glad. it up, looking it up after the fact, and they're kind of all I I assume he's gonna accept accept shuffleboard, bar shuffleboard, table shuffleboard, anything in that neighborhood. I wonder now that you're talking, I know that a lot of these bar games sometimes can be somewhat regional. I We've said before, I've lived in Atlanta. I don't recall. Did we play shuffleboard there? I'm trying to think. It's something that we always play. Like we, mm-hmm. my buddy had a 50th birthday party and there was a shuffleboard game in the place where he had the party. It was like a concert venue bar type place. And it was like, we were all over that thing. Because that was the game that we grew up, or say grew up. That was a That was a bar game that was very common in the bar's up here in the Northeast, you know, in Boston, mm. in New England, very, it's a very common game to find at a bar. So I wonder, this is a game that doesn't exist in other parts of the country or, or is not quite as popular. When I, when I, yeah, when I saw the answer was table shuffleboard, I was like, okay, yeah, I, I have seen that before. Okay. Maybe I've played it once or twice, but I was, I was never getting there. That's not what have, would have ever crossed my mind. So I wasn't too disappointed, but well done for you. I, need all the correct answers that I can get. So I was very pleased to, to, to remember or double check the question and be like, oh, 20, 20 inches wide. Yeah, I'm like that kind of, I was like making gestures with my fingers to be like, okay, this is about eight inches. And so 22, yeah, okay, that makes sense. I'm, I was now curious. So I'm on carpetball.org for the official dimensions for standard or indoor carpet ball. And it's, 20, it's 24 inches. So this is the slightly, it's slightly different and there's no... There's no nothing on the side like that that would make it longer. Anyway, all right, we'll, we can move on. Question five. The tactic of bunting with a player on third base in less than two outs is known in baseball as a squeeze play. If the runner starts for home before the ball is bunted, this is called a suicide squeeze due to the risks involved. What word is used to describe a squeeze in which the runner doesn't leave for home until the ball is bunted? I knew I knew this as soon as I read it. Growing up, my dad teaching me about the two types of squeeze play. Suicide squeeze being the more famous of the two because it has a more memorable name, I think, that I didn't remember right away what it was called, but I knew it was in there. I don't have some sort of palace to go into or some sort of house to walk into where this, where this is kept in a file in a room somewhere. I just had to like think, I know I know this. Give it a, give it a minute. Give it a minute. What are the two kinds of squeezes? And eventually, just thinking hard enough, thinking, okay, I not I can get this. Where what is it called? Eventually came to me. It's a safety squeeze. So put down safety. The same without the consternation and mm-hmm. without my dad teaching me about safety squeezes, because I don't recall learning about that. I, I don't recall safety squeeze within, you know, I feel like it has started coming up like maybe 20 years ago. And so during my little league time, you know, you had squeeze play and you had suicide squeeze and that was it. I don't remember mm. ever hearing about a safety squeeze when I played baseball. Now I stopped playing baseball in like 1987 or something like that, probably. So that was, but I just, I knew that safety squeeze 
as soon as I started reading the question, I'm like, all right, squeeze. I'm like, all right, it's going to be suicide squeeze. I'm like, oh, nope, suicide squeeze is in the question. Okay, what's the other one? Okay, mm -hmm. yeah, safety squeeze. So this one, it was my zero for the day as well, my K for the day. My opponent's best category was baseball. I was like, no way is is my opponent going to miss this one, So, which was correct. Mm -hmm. they, they got it right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was, a, it was a good way to end the day on a one. Like, I, I felt most confident in this one, I think, of any of, the, if any of them so far. I wasn't, I wasn't positive on one or two, but this one, I was like, all right, I'm ending the day at least with one that I am very confident in. Ultimately, did not matter for me. Only a three out of five, and my opponent is quite good, 10-5 for them. So I had no chance, no matter what. Yes, another, loss, another loss for your boy. And I cost myself two points by not sticking with Marco Chang because that turned a win into a tie. Uh, we ended up tying 8-4, 8-4. We both got the four question right and missed missed one that somebody had assigned two yeah. points to. So that was unfortunate who just kind of coin flipped my way out of two points in the standings and potentially you know moving out of the relegation zone because I'm mm -hmm. in the relegation zone going into today in a tie. My opponent actually is, we have the same record. So I am ahead okay. because I have a 10-5, 10-5 tie and he does not mm. have a 10-5, 10-5 tie. So I'm ahead by one point of him. And yeah, basically like a, there's like a four-way tie for, what would it be? Eighth, ninth, 10th, and 11th, something like that. Seventh, eighth, ninth, and 10th, however it works out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the last, the last four spots, we're all basically tied. And yeah, we have a very tight uh, spread in our division. That's always a precarious spot to be. Yeah. 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 There's, if there were a, if I just, if I had to describe my current Fortnite in a meme, I, it would be the Ralph Wiggum, I'm in danger meme. Cause it's, it's not, it's not looking great. My solace is that I have faced the top two people already. So the remainder, the remainder of the days are against the rest of the division. So I've gotten the big, the big dogs out of the way. And maybe I can just find a way to escape. We'll see. In my particular division, I don't think we really have what I would consider like one, one or two big dogs. Like our entire mm -hmm. our entire division is big dogs. Last year, I I won the division and was in the Meisterschaft, and here I am mm -hmm. now. Not admittedly, I'm not I'm not doing as well. Keep losing these coin flips; it's killing me. But you know, I'm in in the relegation zone, and we have I think the two players who got promoted this year are towards the top of the pack. Yeah. Correct yeah. Answer percentage, so. yeah. I don't want to say anyone in premiership is a scrub far from oh. it. I just, and, but in, in doomsday North, it seems to be that there's, there's two dudes who just consistently are at the top. And so when I, when I face one of them, I'm saying, all right, this is, I know this is going to be a battle and my record against those guys reflects that I don't beat them usually if ever. So that's what I mean by the big dogs. I just, yeah. I just know my matchups against those guys are going to be real tough. They've got correct percentages north of 90. All right. Well, that was it for today for day eight. We'll see what sports dramas has for us tomorrow.